0: Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of the Washington State Indivisible podcast. I am Stephan Cox, and this week we are joining with Heartbeat Radio to bring you a discussion with six extraordinary black women candidates for the state legislature. The panel is called Black Women Lead, and it is moderated by Cindy Bright, who I am extremely excited to introduce you all to. Cindy is a motivational speaker. She is a corporate consultant, and she's just an all-around force of nature. And she is the host of Heartbeat Radio on Rainier Avenue Radio. Cindy, hello. Welcome. How are you?
1: Hi, Stefan. Um, thank you. I'm doing well. <laughs> doing well. How about you?
0: Doing okay. Yeah, it's it's always kind of a dicey question these days, but I'm hanging in there. Um, I thought maybe before we jump into the discussion, you could just introduce yourself very briefly and just tell us uh, about Heartbeat Radio and, and the kinds of things that you cover on your show. Yep.
1: Um, you know. I- you, you know kind of hit the high bullets. I'm a 30-year um, corporate HR person turned small business owner turned radio show host. And I call it heartbeat radio. Media is not something I ever thought I'd be doing. But heartbeat is what I call the heart condition of this country that is impacting brown and black people. And so heartbeat focuses on what I call the ecosystem. So there are heavy political conversations that go on There are black community conversations that happen. There are business dialogues that happen. And so, you know, I have focused heartbeat on trying to help shape and move the ecosystem for brown and black people.
0: I could not recommend it more. And I will have a link for people in the show notes to go over and check it out. And, you know, we've been talking about this collaboration, you and I, for a while. So I'm very excited that we're making it happen. Uh, Before we get to the panel discussion that you did, I want to start by asking you a variation on a question that you asked the panel, and this okay. is about this moment. So over the last several weeks following the police killings of George Floyd and others and the uprisings across the country and the world, we, we've seen opinions basically invert in this country on r- r- racial equity with the majority of people now in support. And I'm wondering, and you asked this of the, of the panelists, what does this moment mean to you?
1: Yeah, that's my question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, you know, this moment is um, incredibly uh, powerful for me because my father uh, was a social justice advocate too. Uh, What I didn't know through some of the things in my childhood that I now know in my 50s is there were things that I was doing helping my father as a young teenager slash young woman that actually shaped this moment for me right now that I would have never connected the dots per se. Um, it's heavy because, you know, my father was dark skinned black. My father's no longer living. My father faced racial injustices in a huge way. Uh, my mother's white. So we lived with a lot of hatred (laughs) growing up and, um, To watch this hatred that is being unleashed again in this world is a deep reminder to me about why I'm in this fight. And so um, I would also say that uh, I had pretty broken down on Sunday watching John Lewis's body go across the bridge because it represents, you know, he's my father's age and, or, or my father would have been his age. And to watch what we and you know black people go through, I know what my life is and what it entails even now, um, and the things that I have to tolerate and deal with, but to see my ancestors, and this is my family, how my family has been shaped by all of these things, the George Floyd murder, right? Like that could be my brother, that could be my father. those moments um, it's, it's earth shattering to me right now. Right. But it's also lit the fire under. I mean, anybody who knows me knows I'm a warrior. I'm built to fight. And so it has um, propelled me even deeper into my purpose to be living through this chaos right now.
0: I mean, it seems like people are listening in a way that they haven't been listening before. And by people, I mean white people. And, you know, you work in motivation. Uh, You're a motivational speaker. And I'm wanting to ask you how you feel we can seize this moment right now and, and keep people motivated to make what could potentially be lasting structural change in this country if we get it right.
1: I, I... I think we're doing that Stefan. So examples are that you and I are talking together today, right? Um, You're asking and you're listening. Um, When you hear, I know you're gonna, uh, you know, the black women lead conversation we had, it's to motivate white America means that they have to start to listen and stop trying to prescribe for us their views or their opinions about our lives and systems and things that we live with that they don't. And so to, for us to move forward, the shift that needs to occur is that black women must lead. We are the women, you know. we are the voting power in this country that is putting Democrats in office we are the leaders of our families we are the women out in the world swinging and fighting for justice for all of us and um you know i continue to use the phrase that when black people rise all people rise so that's the shift right now right like um you know i'm doing some work doing some work this business for racial justice it's a coalition that I've teamed up and formed with um, Frances Dewing. She is the CEO, white woman CEO, um, and we're doing some racial justice work for Black Agenda. And The conversations she and I are having are powerful because we are talking about the role of Black people, Black women leading now, and white people learning to follow and not stepping over us or trying to take credit for our work or monopolizing our work and making money off of it. And there's just so many things that go on for Black women, right, that we have to deal with constantly. So,
0: I want to get out of the way right now and and let this conversation begin, but I'll just ask you briefly, and you allow all the candidates to introduce themselves. What would you like us to know about this particular group of Black women before we begin?
1: This particular group of Black women represent me and they represent you these black women are powerful these black women are strong they understand the systemic racism issues that are here in washington state they are going to be powerful voices down in olympia to help create change they're no nonsense they're not going to be manipulated and controlled they're going to lead us out of this chaos of this of this racist society and a time when it is necessary to have black voices at the table. I believe in every single one of those women, when you hear the show, you're gonna hear even some of my emotion in um, some of it because um, I think you know, I ran a couple of years ago for office and to know I have a firsthand, Understanding of what they're going through to be able to get themselves in elected office. That is not easy for black people to do So, um, I think Your audience is going to thoroughly enjoy and i'm just gonna say, you know There's some moments where you might feel like you're in church because there's some preaching that goes on We we have a great conversation about some real stuff, but um, we went in right to the core of the issues I think it's going to be your audience is going to enjoy it
0: I can't thank you enough for doing this.
1: Well, I can't thank you enough for inviting me to do it with you. So I I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Welcome to uh, Black Women Lead. I am Cindy Bright. I am uh, normally the host of Heartbeat Radio, but I get the uh, distinct privilege of being the moderator of a panel of uh, six phenomenal queens, black women running for office here in the state of Washington. We are missing uh, three of our black women running, so um, I will call them out by name after we do introductions, but I want each of the women here to introduce themselves, their districts that they're running in, the seats that they're running for, um, and then we'll, we'll dive in. We can start with you, Joy. I see you first.
2: first okay. Hi, I'm Joy Stamford. I'm running in the 26th legislative district that encompasses Gig Harbor, Key Peninsula, Olala, Port Orchard, and part of Naval Shipyard Bremerton. I'm running for a House of Representatives seat position two.
3: Jamila? Hey, I'm Jamila Taylor running for state representative in position one um, in the 30th district, which is South King County, North Pierce County, and that includes Algona, Pacific, Milton, parts of Des Moines, parts of Auburn, parts of unincorporated King County, and of course, Federal Way.
4: Awesome. Tawana. Hi everyone, I'm Twana Nobles running for a State Senate in the 28th Legislative District where I'm working really hard to flip this seat from red to blue and to become our state's only current Black Senator. (laughs) So excited for this race. Um, Our district is pretty large, it includes Joint Base lewis Stillicum, Tillicum, University Place, Fircrest, DuPont, Anderson Island, McNeil Island, Ketron Island, um, and I think I got everything in there but it's a wonderfully diverse district and I look forward to becoming our next state senator. Tanisha? Good
5: evening everybody I'm Tanisha Harris I'm running for state representative position one here in the 17th LD which is in Clark County and um, 17th includes East Vancouver, Brush Prairie and parts of Battleground and Richfield. So Representative
6: Entman. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Deborah Entman. I currently represent the forty seventh legislative district, which includes the East Hill of Kent, the cities of Covington and Auburn, and unincorporated King County, that include Federal Way, Renton, and uh, Black Diamond. And you are running for re-election. I'm running for re-election.
1: And last but not least, Kirsten. Hi,
7: I'm Kirsten Harris-Talley, I'm a progressive activist mom running for the state house seat in position two in the 37th district, and I love the 37th, it's the most diverse district in Washington state. It runs from Renton through Unincorporated Skyway all the way north through Rainier Valley, the Central District, International District, and has a carve out also in Pioneer Square and Chinatown International District where many of our urban Native uh, communities are. So really excited to talk with you all today.
1: Let me just mention I thank you all six of you for introducing yourselves. There are three Black women running who have due to schedule conflicts can't be on with us today but Uh, of equal importance that we should acknowledge. So one is Representative Melanie Morgan, uh, that we're all in her camp. Uh, We have April Berg, who could not be with us today, and we have Shirley Sutton. So if their schedules would have allowed, we'd have had nine women running and Cindy Bright on this call today. So it's an awesome time to be, it's an awesome moment in our world right now, particularly to have this many black women running now i thought a lot about how to have this conversation today Um, and i when i was thinking about black women leading and black issues when we think about black people issues um, there tends to be conversations that happen on what i'll say on the sidelines but i want to i want to go to the middle today i want to start and center this conversation around Blackness, because I think that that fundamentally is where we need to talk today, um, because I'm sure that's what is uh, driving you all to run for office. So if you're okay, I just kind of want to ask you, what does this moment feel like for each of you right now as a Black woman? What does this feel like? Representative Intman, do you want to start?
6: Well, when I was running for office, Melanie Morgan was also running. I believe, Joy, you might have been running as well. Um, But this feels different. Um, This is definitely a time when we will no longer wait. Um, And so I'd love to see all of these women who have decided to throw their hat into the ring and take that chance. And I think that most of us will be successful and I look forward to seeing all of you in the legislature. I hope to be back as well. I do have an opponent, Um, but this feels different because I think there is a momentum that is national and international where we truly believe that Black Lives Matter and we are willing to make a stake and stake that claim and move along with it in this difficult, momentous time so this is amazing i am i i every day i am amazed by the work that you are doing in your elections i am amazed by the work that you are doing in community and um i am amazed by the recognition that we receive so this is wonderful
0: next to speak is joy stanford
6: for me i think it's
2: it's pushing us for some reason, there's something, I don't know what that is, the air, the moment in time like Deborah was talking about, um, the fact that we've got all of these beautiful women of color in Congress and they are speaking out and there's there's this moment where you're like, you can't let fear stop you. And I think that's what's kind of pushing me along with that momentum that Deborah talked about um, it it's so much different. I did run in 2018, and I don't know about you, Tanisha, but this feels so much different than it did in 2018. And I'm and I'm glad Deborah mentioned that because it's it's just I uh, it's it, we are standing on the shoulders of our ancestors. You know, let's just let's just say it. John Lewis. We we would not be where we are today without him. It gives me goosebumps. I'm going to start crying. Um, but I feel like Um, the speech that AOC gave the other night on the floor. I was crying. I was like, this is, I am doing what I'm, I am where I'm supposed to be. And I am in the places and spaces I'm supposed to be. And I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. And I'm not going to shy away from it. And I'm going to go headstrong into it. So I don't know why, but it feels good. And I'm just going to run my race and do what I have to do.
0: Tanisha Harris.
5: I completely agree with Joy. I I was there with Joy in 2018 and you know sometimes I feel removed sometimes from the rest of y'all because I'm down here in Clark County and I know in terms of the population of diversity and people of color indigenous people is a little bit less. We do have Portland across the river but here in Clark County but I've always felt a part of of Clark County. My f- father's family was one of the first African-American families here in Vancouver in the early 40s. So I feel that this has always been my community even though at times I didn't feel like I was included, especially when you decide to run for political office.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: That's when you find out real quickly. As much as a party person I am and been involved, also being a candidate takes a whole new meaning.
6: Mm-hmm. And
5: and now I had I always have our Tuesday campaign meetings at four o'clock. Today we moved up to three o'clock, and I was kind of reserved and kind of quiet, and that's mm-hmm. because there is something different this year. And I'm finding that there are people who are okay to say my name out loud publicly. Hmm. They wouldn't say it in 2018, but they'll say it now in 2020. We haven't changed our positions. We've always been the same. So something is different. And the community that is supporting me and wrapping their arms around me and telling me we have you, Tanisha, no matter what comes your way, it, some, something something's different. Joy, joy and, and Representative is it's on point. Something is changing, and we're here.
0: Kirsten Harris-Talley.
7: Well, I hope you know, Tanisha, um, even though we're, we're geographically far, I am rooting you on from Thank here. Thank you. So, I mean, and I know, right, I, I did not run in 2018, but I watched the response to all three of you running, right, and the consideration of how the intersections of your gender and your race, and how folks were going to weaponize attacks against you, right? Like, those are considerations for when I talk to my family about running, and I just wanted to say, I see you all, and the fact that, right, the resilience and fortitude, and like what you just said to me, right, like, your positions haven't changed. It's finally that the worldview is orienting to line up with the values, right, that we've been saying for so long, and quite frankly, Black women have been leading the whole time, and are finally getting the attention that's deserved. And that's what for me feels so momentous about this moment. I'm an abolitionist. I've been in police accountability and uh, policing justice work for a long time. You could not have told me when I announced at the end of January, right? And then it was an open seat that I would find myself in the streets seeing the formative change that literally we've been act, act, you know, advocating for for centuries, centuries, right? The reason I'm an abolitionist is because slavery is the second sin of this country after the genocide of indigenous people, right? And I I believe in democracy and I want to see us get over the hurdle of, of that and be on the other side of it. And that's happening in those systems now. And to see the movement that's happened week by week, right? My mom's visiting right now from rural Missouri where I grew up. And every week she's like, what happened this week? Um, I feel like the 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 world's finally meeting up with the, with the skills and brilliance that every one of us is bringing. And I'm really excited, right? This is a job interview right now. The real work will be in November. That's when we'll start. I'm so glad to be in coalition and conversation with folks like you, because I think this moment is going to need every one of us and our experience and lived experience for this decisions and moments we have ahead of us.
0: Jamila Taylor.
3: What I would add is that each one of us um, were probably very isolated in making the decision to run. It wasn't like there was some conspiracy that nine or 10, or there were actually more of us who were running, um, you know, before we got to the the week of uh, filing. Um, And the process of making that decision is a journey in and of itself, (laughs) whether it's your first time running at this level or running for something else. And the, the conversations you have with people who say no, 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 no. And so, you know, getting through that chatter, that first layer <laughs> is a feat in itself, and then now dealing with the public chatter of being here and being present, and then knowing that there's you know, other women who are as diverse as you can imagine within our own spectrum of Blackness. I mean, to me, that's amazing ideas like we we span ideas we span um, ideology and we span experiences that we can you know lift each other up and learn from each other as well as um, um, represent different parts of our state which have different needs and that is an amazing part of this process of seeing how we're coming to a great moment in time none of us did this because of the unrest immediate unrest that we're, we're facing it was our time it was it was more of like why not now why not me and, and of course me and and this is for our communities and our communities is multi-ethnic and they need us they need what we can bring to the table because what's been at the table hasn't really worked
6: for all
4: of us. And that, that's one reason why we're here.
0: Twana Nobles.
4: Yeah, and this moment for me yeah. definitely is, I think, fitting for Black women because of our um, not just perceived strength, um, but really I think there is strength in being a woman. I think there is an incredible compassion and empathy and strength that comes along with being a Black woman and intelligence that comes with being a Black woman and an ability to just get We'll keep it clean. Stuff done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it has always been our time, you know? Um, And I forget who mentioned it, but we have always been leading and raising the families and um, nursing (laughs) the families and um, being the the leading voices in this country. We just haven't always received the credit for doing so. But I think it is beyond time to give us that recognition, to put us in those executive positions, the positions of power and leadership, um, because of the skills that we bring to the table um, and just because of who we are as incredibly brilliant and intelligent and beautiful Black women. But now is the time to be fearless and unapologetic. Um, now is the time for um, community leaders like us who understand the importance of racial justice always and now um, who understand the needs of our community, who can speak to solutions for housing and mental and behavioral health, um, but also bring the empathy and compassion necessary to um, find solutions and understand those, those challenging issues that our community consistently faces. Um, but this is an incredible time to be in this cohort with all of the women on this call and those who are not with us online tonight. And so I feel honored and strong and supported and i don't feel like i am alone especially in spaces like this when i'm reminded of the incredible women and i I follow y'all all online so i you know always get to feel refreshed by what you're doing in the community but i'm happy to know you proud to know you excited for our victories um in this primary and in November that um, I wish each and every one of us the very the very best. Now is is our time, but it's been our time. So I'm gonna, I appreciate
1: um, everything that all, all of you have mentioned. Um, I wanna go deeper on this and I'm gonna explain what I wanna get at here. So um, there, the movement is happening, no question about that, right? Um, all of us who are black have lived through the experience of the moment when we are the, I will just call it the shiny object, and everybody wants us, Um, but then we get there or we get elevated to positions of power, and then the real stuff, I will use your acronym Tawana, the real stuff starts to happen. And so my question uh, for you guys is, what transformation do you believe has to occur in the Democratic Party as a whole, and maybe Washington State Democrats also, what transformation has to occur in order to progress you so that when you are in office, you're not just the object that, that people want it to have there, but then want to squash and not here. What do you believe, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm, I I'm since
4: I, oh. yeah go ahead Twan, I was gonna say, I'll start with you. <laughs> um. But I think especially since tonight our, our theme is Black Women Lead. Mm-hmm. I want to speak to, you know, myself as a Black woman. What needs to happen is not just the performative allyship of Black Lives Matter, but what needs to happen is all the, the real actions that should have been taking taking place, you know 400 years now, um, but we need community members to be sure to listen to us. And I know I hear Representative Intamin speak to this, that a lot of what is being heard in the community has not gone unsaid in the state legislature. But our as, as black women, as black leaders, we need to be listened to. We know um, and can speak to the needs of yes. our community, and at least yes. based on our individual experience. So it is time for our communities to listen to us. It is time to, you know, Make sure there is action behind Black Lives Matter, and, and specifically to the Democratic Party, we need to make sure that when we say we want more women of color, more Black women, younger candidates, um, just a, a diverse pool, that we actually mean it. Because I've seen more people step up, and then I've also listened to the coded language about why they're not qualified, why they're not yeah. ready, why this is yeah. not their time. Yeah. So it's not Matt The actions currently don't don't match the Black Lives Matter profile changes. Correct. And then. There is a difference for a lot of Black candidates. I don't want to speak for everyone on this call, but I think even today on LinkedIn, where another man wanted to tell me that my LinkedIn profile needed to match my voter's pamphlet and my LinkedIn profile needs to just say, whatever (laughs) the heck, again, we keeping this clean. I want it to say. You don't like running running for office does not give people license to start, you know, commanding what we do in our personal lives. Like that's not a campaign paid for. That's my LinkedIn page. So it will say whatever I want it to say. And so I think there also needs to be a commitment by individual constituents and especially men and especially white men to stop you know, analyzing and criticizing who we are as black women um, and to simply think about they're not on my white candidates, I'm sure, or opponents LinkedIn profile criticizing him. So the community treats us differently, has long for a long time disrespected who we are. And I'm so grateful that not just me, but the women who are here, um, as it was stated earlier, we've we've been demanding that we have never, ever needed to be treated this way. And we've always deserved to be treated better. But our community needs to listen. Their actions, needs to, their actions need to match their Black Lives Matter profile pictures. And men, especially white men, need to have a seat.
0: Joy Stanford is the next to speak.
2: I think it was um, Donna Brazile who said, and on a podcast with Ashante Goler, she said, Black women and women, women of color don't even realize the amount of power and leverage they have when they go vote. And if every woman of color and every Black woman in America voted, we could swing an election so far. Like, we just don't even know. And that is one of my fires of why I'm doing what I'm doing, to give voice to those women who don't even realize they're not being heard or they're not speaking up. Again, I'm in places and spaces I'm not supposed to be. And I need, like your question, Cindy, is what do you need the Democratic Party to do is to, you don't have to agree with everything we're saying and everything we're doing and everything we want to do, but come along with us and really open up your mind and start actually being open to those changes that need to happen systemically in every single system within at least Washington State right now and then our country as a whole. Start thinking about how it's okay that it's not the same old way it's been, but now we just have to change it up just a little. And I saw those Facebook post from somebody who's on this call today, today and I was like, Woo, woo. All day long, I was in my office wooing because it was true. You you might not agree with Medicare for all. You might not agree with all the things that progressive folks want to do. But open your mind and just a little, just just a little bit, come along with us and hear us out and hear how we can take baby steps to get to where we need to get to. Because it cannot go back to the way it was. I don't want to go back to the old way. I don't want to go back. Oh, the new normal. No new normal. We need to progress forward and we can only progress let me, forward with new let things.
1: Me, let me ask my original question in another lens because I had asked about what needs to transform, but let me go back. Remember how I said, I don't want to talk on the sides. I want to talk in the center. So when I go into the center of this issue of what needs to change or transform, when black people start to accrue power, that is going to create um, the backlash that every Black woman has had to live with from white, not just white men, white women too. And, you know, Tawana's going down into a Senate that she would be the only Black person. I can imagine what that is going to be like for her uh, as a outspoken, strong Black woman. So, going back to the center of that question what do you believe um either the leadership of the party needs to do differently to embrace the fact that power is going to start to shift and this country doesn't want black people to have power and so it'll start to happen and i know every one of you know that what what are your thoughts about (laughs) what
6: needs to occur um Leadership-wise.
0: Representative Entenmann.
6: So as a current member of the state legislature, I think we need to understand a number of things. And one we need to be clear on. People fear what they don't understand. So there is a lot of fear. People who have power do not see power easily. It must be taken. So it's not as if we need to go and tell the Democratic Party anything.
4: Come on, Deborah.
6: Come on. The Democratic Party <laughs> needs to come along or they will be left behind. And that's the T that's the right there. We are the Democratic Party. If we don't vote, you don't win. That's right. That's exactly so right. I want to make sure that people understand this. If we don't vote, you don't win. No. So, And that means on your ballot at home and in caucus in the legislature. Exactly. So. (laughs) So, So it is important for people to understand that. It is also important for all of us to understand that there is a structure. And what we know is when we are rebuilding something, we put up a scaffolding. We take down the things that we don't want but we aren't in a position to implode the whole building. We would much rather preserve some of the things that we think are good, that is true. But people need to understand that there are some things we will no longer preserve. Mm -hmm. Now, when we were talking about the National Party and I am a delegate, I find it fascinating that they decided today, a day when many of us still have to work, a day when it was not a part of what was going to go on to be a delegate, today was the day they decided to vote on the platform. Mm -hmm. That was intentional because they knew not everyone could participate. Mm -hmm. That was intentional because they knew not everyone could participate in the discussion and the debate about the national platform. So to see that they will not add Black Lives Matter and to see that they will not add Medicare for all, Mm -hmm. that's an intentional slight, and it will not be forgotten.
1: Representative Annaman, you are also um, involved in um, some of the building political power for Black women. You're going to be doing some more, or you're doing some work around that uh, that has to do with uh, the state's funding deficit and... um, can you talk to us a little bit more in
6: depth about that work too, since you're bringing up some of the issues that? So um, in, in my work in the legislature, this is, this is how I entered into the process. I have had many opportunities given to me and I have taken advantage of them. But I often think about what would I want for my mother what would I want for my grandmother? And what would I want for any future grandchildren? I now have a grandson, but that has have, that has been how I have done my work. So when we went, when I first got into the legislature, I worked on ending what they call full family sanction in TANF. And not everybody even knows what that is, but TANF is temporary aid for needy families. And when you sanction the family, And many of the reasons for sanctioning families were arbitrary and capricious. I wanna make sure that that's clear. And we know that disproportionately using data, African-American and indigenous families and Latino families were sanctioned most often. And fully sanctioned mean the family received no state aid because they didn't follow a particular rule. Now there, are, there can be exceptions made, but it seemed like there were never exceptions made for black families. Mm-hmm. So in the legislation that I worked to pass, we ended full family sanction. So we ended full family sanction. Children will still get assistance in Washington state, even if their adults can't seem to follow a rule because children should not be punished for the actions of their adults. That's number one. Number two, we removed so many families from TANF, the state agreed that they would let families know that they could reapply. I wanna make sure you understand this. The state is telling people that they told that they were kicked off of TANF and that they could never get back on, that they should reapply because they now qualify to be, to be readmitted to the TANF program. That was a piece of legislation that I moved forward that was a piece of legislation that was passed. That was a piece of legislation that was signed by the governor. If you're disproportionately eliminating African-American and indigenous and Hispanic families from TANF, that's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, let me start, Tanisha, with you on this question I want to ask. Um, what do you feel the inequities are here in the state of Washington?
5: Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> a heavy question. Yeah. Oh, real, real quick, I want to go back to the previous question you had asked about as somebody who's a party officer and has been involved in the party now for 12 years, being an officer year after year and now serving on the executive board of the Washington State Democratic Party, it's you persist. And there's different groups of people who will come at you and you persist because you know the message We hear every election time about black women voting, black people voting, they are the base, this is what's going to happen, but yet don't want to hear from us after we vote. I remember the very first time I ran and I had a surprising victory on primary night. The quote was, the little black girl just needs to go away. Mm. The little black girl just needs to go away. And um, I, know who, I, know, I know the men who said it, a couple of them have come around in 2020, four years later, but it's still there, it is, it is still there. And that I think for us is what motivates us to work within the party, to try to change it, to be at the table, to listen, still a long ways to go. And I'm still going to use both my inside and outside voice when I'm at the table. In terms of inequities, you know, in in politics, I I think it's one of the things is why opportunity, you know, PAC was created. It's, you know, where do, as a person of color, where do you begin in terms of campaigning? How do you put together that team? Do you understand the race that you're in, the responsibilities? That's the governing side, but then the campaign side, how you put together that team, who's gonna support you, how you raise money um and a lot of times too and i think you know for me down here you know i'm fortunate that i have 49th ld represented monica stoner as a good friend and mentor of mine but other than that not too many people of color run for public office and so it's creating your own path and putting the right people around you and that's for any first time candidate but as a candidate of color and a woman candidate of color um you know, that's an inequity it itself, you know, just running for political office. Because what we've seen the last two months now is the call for policy change, not just national and state, but county and city. And so that then leads into the, uh, the other inequities here. I think a lot of us can speak to as well because of the work that we have done. I do a lot of work on the county level, um, working with Clark County Council and the court system being a, a CASA, advocating for foster care youth. So there's a connection between all the different layers of government. And so that itself are the inequities. I think that a lot of people are finally starting to see and understand. I mean, I speak to city council and county council members who are like, there's more people calling in to do you know, public comment. There's more, we're, our staff is getting more questions about this department's budget, this department's budget. What's going on here? What's going here? What's the policy? Our school boards, the questions our school board and school districts are being asked now too. So your, those inequities, a lot of people don't think about are starting to get exposed mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Thanks to you know, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of opened up everything that people are saying, wait a minute here, I need to see this on a local level here. and how does that connect? Mm-hmm. And what does state what does Olympia do? Because now I'm hearing from candidates and city council and county council going, well we need to work more with Olympia folks. That's the state issue, but the money comes down here here, here and here. So, people are starting, there's that puzzle, and people are starting to see all the different pieces and asking more questions and asking for accountability.
0: Okay,
5: that's what can all I, of us are about. That's what all of us are about. Can well, I ask it, some Kirsten
1: and Jamila on this, too. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Yes, yeah. um,
0: Kirsten speaks first.
7: I've been working in progressive politics for 20 years, and um. In, in the advocacy stance, right? So sitting in coalition, um, usually of tables of folks who are all marginalized in these processes and distanced. Um, and I say marginalized, right? Because th- that's not unintentional, I think, right? We've all the time out how structurally the system is not built to contain the multiplicity and brilliance of us, because it, it that, right? But the promise is that it can be built that way. And hearing, right, what you just said about people showing up and asking the questions It always starts with the questions and the vision. Um, And with Washington State, the reason I've been working in progressive politics, always forward, never backwards, is because quite frankly, when you add a gender, an age or race ethnicity lens to any issue in Washington State, we are not the most progressive at it, period. We have the most regressive tax code in the entire country. We also have the largest multinational corporations on the globe and the corner of the largest billionaires on the globe in the same state. Those things aren't coincidence, those things are structural and intentional and it's putting all of us behind. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some of the most regressive gun policy in the entire country when you add those considerations, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at gun policy and knowing that disproportionately those laws are created to address gang activity in black communities when we have a rising white nationalism in Washington state Mm -hmm. And the context of what that looks like in our state, not talking about gun policy Mm -hmm. with a lens of Mm anti-Blackness and white power movement building is a huge deficit on the state level. And it's a conversation that's beyond ready to be had, I think, considering what's happening with the
1: national dialogue right now. I would give education- I would give anything to be a fly on the wall in the legislature this next session to watch you women. I would give anything and my show is going to be reaching out to you cuz I am definitely that 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 is exactly right. Right on. So, and I'm just going to hand it now to cuz we'll just go down the list. I mean, we keep going. So, <laughs> Jamila, did you have something to add? I have lots.
3: <laughs> what I will say is that I know I'm doing something right when I'm uninvited to the table. <laughs> That's, that's been my process in black, as a Black woman in politics and a Black woman in leadership in this community. And what the Democrats have to understand is that you are better with us in the room mm-hmm. than having us outside doing what we do to mobilize the people. Because then your, your struggle, your ultimate goals, which are universal, like what we're asking for is universal. It, it supports your goals, our goals are aligned. So, so you're better with us in the room. And one of the other structural changes is gonna to have to be is that our social capital is different than your social capital. So you can't navigate us in the exact same way you navigate your peers who you grew up with, you have um, in-group level of contact with. Um, and the way we engage in, in politics and the way we engage in community is relational. Just, it's a different type of relational because we know that all politics is relative um, but it's also very transactional. And so you know, when we are resisting that effort to be transactional, and you're frustrated by that because you can't just get what you want done, um, then you have to navigate working with us differently. Um, You know, the the other problem is, the other challenge that the Democrats are going to have to look at is that, you know, we always have an additional layer of strategy that we have to address. You know, depending on where we are in the state of Washington, we navigate things differently. So just because you talk to Joy about one thing or talk to Ms. Deborah about another thing or Tanisha or Kirsten, we all are in different locations and we navigate differently. So you can't just say all oh, the black delegation are going to do the exact same thing on the exact same moment. I mean, because some of the ideas that are even being shared tonight, I'm like, well, that's not going to be the strategy I'm going to take. Um, but that doesn't mean that we aren't in, you know, appreciation of the work that's being done. And so it's, it's that's the level of normalizing blackness. That our black experience is not the same. Our history is not the same. Just like being an American is not the same for everyone else. Mm -hmm. We are American, (laughs) but we all have different histories that we bring to the table. And uh, one more thing I will say is that, you know, well, a couple more things. You know, they're going to have to change a strategy on really valuing bringing us to the table around getting us in front of. The, the traditional donors, the folks who have historically not known that they share our values, we share your values, but we're not getting in front of those folks. And that's that's the power that you, you keep as a gatekeeper, because right. if we're not able to get the money, right. And, right, and I think all the women on this call are outperforming, outperforming many of our peers financially. A lot of these PACs who have figured it out quickly And said we are putting our money, our resources, our time, our energy into this type of leadership. And so it's no longer that we're going to be sitting at the table and you're going to take our label without the results that need to come with it. Mm -hmm. You you can't value process over results. And that's where we are as candidates, regardless of where we fall on our politics we want results it's not about the process to say we're in the room we want to get the results and none of us here are valuing ourselves around simply being elected this is not a goal for us this is what our community needs for us to do this is what our state needs us to do if there's any mistake about that We can go home and take our cookies with us. And then you wonder what the heck just happened.
1: What scripture would you like us to turn to next, Jamila? well
3: you know
4: <laughs> amen. amen just pass the offering plate you can have all the
1: time tonight
3: this is why i'm social distancing at home because i can't keep this to myself i cannot stay outside your personal space because you must hear this you must feel this you must go with us in the journey and that's why you want to be on this journey with us because we are going to take washington to the next level This is not because we're out in front doing something unusual. We are taking care of the whole state. You know, there's that meme where you see the old grandpa who's mad at his wife, but he still has his umbrella over there protecting her. That's what we are doing, even for those who do not share our values.
1: Because we
3: are going to pull ourselves, our state, out of this COVID-19 pandemic, no matter what. Yes. We are moving our whole community forward.
1: Let me ask. I, I think you might need a sip of water, Jamila. <laughs> Let me thank you for that passionate, like all of it. I will say that I have my son actually texted me and said, a group of Zoom calls with Black women and all of our heads are moving. <laughs> like we were all just like, <laughs> so funny. Um, so that was passionate. and was right on. And it, it is time for Black women to be leading this change. And so let's talk, you know, where I'm watching the clock here, so we're coming down to the wire here. Um, Let's talk about what you believe in the state of Washington, like how do you see the state, the state of the state of Washington, and what do you think needs to change here
4: uh, for our communities to thrive? Uh, Tawana, let me start with you. Thank you. And that's a great question. And I go back to what I said before, we definitely in our state um, need to make sure that we are listening um, to our you know, black leaders are leaders of color. We definitely have to show action. So I, and and this is not just as it relates to us being black women who are leading, but I think especially now as our communities are continuing to face the consequences of COVID-19, our communities are losing jobs and um, losing income, losing businesses, um, many of them simply losing hope, Mm -hmm. And so what I see for this state is we're going to have to deliver. Mm -hmm. Um, I I share this story often, but I spent so many nights crying, trying to help small businesses um, by supporting them with technical assistance when, you know, a lot of businesses were trying to apply for IDLE or PPP and there simply were not enough resources to go around. And here's this promise of here's help but there wasn't help for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with unemployment, where here we are weeks later, you know, eight, 10, and 20 weeks later, people are still waiting for unemployment payments, are having mm-hmm. to go to food banks. So we definitely are gonna have to do better by our community because we are not in a good state.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: We are hurting, we are in pain, we are you know, experiencing so much loss. And on top of that, our budget is thinned out. Yep. So have- we have greater need but not more money to support the need, not Mm -hmm. more money to fill the gap. Mm -hmm. And then we have the new news of school is online. Mm-hmm. which will keep us safe, but there are so many babies and families that we do need to worry about that are not in safe environments, that do not have access to Wi-Fi, that do not have technology at home, so we're going to have to deliver for our community, and the best way to do that is to definitely elect leaders like those of us on the Zoom call tonight, Black women leaders who understand the needs of community, who bring that compassion and empathy, and and just, experience leading for fighting, you know, fighting for change in our community, demanding change in our community, but also being skilled enough to, I think you mentioned it earlier, um, Cindy, where there is gonna have to be some learning. We're skilled enough also to share the narratives, the stories on the ground because we are connected to the community. Right. We're on the ground, we're grassroots leaders who are on the ground and, and will share the stories, the, the TANF stories, the WIC stories, the I still got evicted stories, the um, you know, housing insecurity stories. Um, with our, our colleagues in the state legislature as we are saying how critical it is to preserve resources for our community at a time and, when we know cuts the, will need to be made. And
1: to that point, Tawana, you know, the, um, you know, my professional experience has exposed me to executive decision-making for years. And I, I will say that, you know, people will sit in and all of their heads will be nodding this way. Um, and people that we believe are lined up with us, but let's be real about inequities and decisions that you're talking about. Because in order, any business who is running on a deficit, losing money, has to make serious trade-offs, which means somebody has to go without. And the communities that are always going without are the brown and black communities. In order to move Washington State forward, it is my perspective that the services or things that are not that are helping non-people of color are gonna be the services that have to be parked right now in order to build equity into our our social justice systems to progress brown and black people and protect our jobs and health and all those things that are coming right headed yeah. so as I take two minutes to try to ask this question um what systems do you all see here that you think, need immediate attention to help protect Black people.
0: Kirsten Harris-Talley.
1: For me,
7: the first system is what is the system that's going to feed the solutions we're going to have to build? And that's going to take money, cash money, which means our upside down tax code has to be addressed first. And, you know, I served in an appointment on Seattle City Council in 2017, and folks asked me why I didn't. You know go for city level went for a state level it's because the structural change i needed to see for black folks here in my corner of the world needed resources and the preemptions and policy at the state level is the barrier so yeah. i'm not going to keep chipping away at a rock here when I can move the boulder with the lever up there. So that's what we need to structurally do. And then the priority, the Democratic Party in the state has said two years in a row and need to live it and breathe it and have it the first thing we say with an inhale and exhale every day as we're making decisions, putting people first with those dollars. Anything that is not a priority for people thriving or at least surviving the best way we can take care of them until we can get them to thriving of getting those dollars in the door after we pass progressive policy, because that'll take a minute, yeah. it's got to go and i appreciate what you said because the difference between equality and equity is that equity invests the amount of resources needed Correct. to make up for the deficit and Correct. we had explicitly racist policy in washington Correct. State. the redlining that made the diversity of my district was racist policy explicitly on mm-hmm. purpose the legacy of it is still hurting black families and black elders mm-hmm. which means we need healing and anti-racist policy it's the only way to undo racism so that's the direction we're gonna to have to go with every decision. And that's the lens we have to have every day. And if you can make it better for a black auntie in my district, it'll be better for every Washingtonian. Correct. It really Correct.
1: will. Correct. Thank you for um, emphasizing that Kirsten. That is an exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Equity means we have to put more money, more resources than what we've traditionally done. So when the state legislature is looking at the budget and seeing what we currently have, And it has failed at the current levels. And you're thinking about equity to solve and serve the communities for which we're all, you are all trying to serve. It's a completely different way of thinking about budget allocation. Am I wrong? What are some of your personal um, categories or areas? I know you talked about, um, I mean, there's so many, like where do we start, right? Um, Medicare for All just got, that's what Representative Annaman was uh, referring to earlier. What are we going to do? Like we have here in the state of Washington, we had started about cascade care. I don't even know if that's still an option. Representative Annaman, do you know if that's still on the table or going into effect?
6: So um, what? from what I understand, it is still going into effect. That's long-term care um, for folks in Washington state. To my knowledge, it has not been cut, but I'm honestly going to say that I have not looked over every part of the budget, but I think it is still on the agenda. So yes, but we also need to talk about, when we talk about taxes in this state, we have a group of people who pay nothing. Right. And so we really do need a capital gains tax Mm -hmm. in this state if we are talking about a fair distribution of resources. Right now, we have people who are, this is what I call it, It's the people who consider themselves in the middle class and the working class fighting against the people who are poor. Because Mm -hmm. their impression is, is that poor people don't work. And we know that poor people work. Their impression is that poor people don't work, don't contribute, and take things away from them that they really can't afford to give to their families. We need to change the whole paradigm and look at people who aren't paying taxes at all Mm -hmm. And instead of having the working class people and the middle class people being angry with poor folks, we need to hold people who are wealthy accountable. They build their wealth off of our backs. When we talk about monetizing, when we talk about data, we know that they are making a lot of money by monetizing data. And I want them to pay the taxes on, on that monetization of that data. Do you think we have you a shot at getting it, that? You can trade it on the s- stock floor. You can pay taxes on it in the state legislature.
1: You think we have a shot at getting that done? I think we have a shot.
6: Okay. I think we have a shot. I also want people to understand that from, from what we're hearing as a member, a current member of the legislature, we want taxes to be fair, but people are really wanting some police reform. Mm -hmm. They feel that the only place that they can go is to the state for protections. Mm -hmm. And so the work that I have been doing since the loss of George Floyd Mm -hmm. has really been around, what can we do in our state to make things differently? So we first have to acknowledge that Washington State Patrol is the only police force that the state legislature can do anything about when it comes to uh, collective bargaining. But what we can do is look at the training through for all police officers in our state. What we can do is work to shift funds from one organization that's on the back end to an organization that's on the front end so that we can make sure that when a police officer is in our community, he or she understands who our community is and understands that they are supposed to work with us and not against us so that we can have public safety. We also need to work on taking some of the responsibilities away from police officers. We have asked them to do too much. They are not mental health and crisis counselors. They are not. They are not school counselors. So the SROs in schools, not their job. If a school doesn't have a counselor, they don't need a police officer. We should have counselors in our schools who are trained before we have police officers in our schools. The data shows us that when you have an SRO for black and brown children, that is just a gateway into the criminal justice system. I know... There are many people who will argue this with you all day, but that's not what the data shows. We have wonderful resource research uh, facilities here in our state, and I can show you all kinds of data. Even though you might have an anecdotal story, I can show you data that having an SRO in our schools is not helping and is hurting black and brown children. So those are the things we're working on, as well as getting the capital gains tax and holding on to the inroads that me, we have made in equitable funding for higher ed. Now, I'm on the board for Written Technical College, and I talk about this all the time. We graduate more students, even though for some reason our students don't get counted as finishing if they complete a certificate or, a, or an apprenticeship program. I don't know why that doesn't, see, that doesn't count as completion. Uh, it only counts as completion if they go on to a four-year college or university. Th- there is a bias there in how we're looking at the data.
1: And we need you know, to- I, need, I need to cut in. Wait, no, we're just getting low on time. I don't mean to cut you off. This is too much black girl magic going on here. <laughs> and he, you started, uh, we could go, um, Representative Annaman, where you were starting to go, I just had a whole litany uh, of topics um, but we only had an hour today to talk. and let me uh, before I go in and ask each of you to do a closing, let me just let me just express something to every one of you and to all of the listeners, people who are watching this. This is a moment. Um, I'll get choked up saying it because we need you. Our community needs every one of you in office. and what people, need to understand, and one of you guys mentioned it, that when black people succeed, everybody is succeeding. We are the lowest denomination that anyone thinks about in in any of these systems. And I could preach, but I don't want to show up Jamila on church today. And so I do want to give, we've only got a couple minutes left. So I want to give each of you, there's six of you. So I'll give you 30 seconds. I want you to do a closing statement. We got to get these women in office. We got to get people your ballots in. The primary is next week. Um, Let's do some quick closing statements. Blessings to every single one of you. I am
6: praying for you. Representative, would you like to do a closing? Thank you. I'd like to say, please complete your ballot. Please work with your elders to complete their ballot and to get them turned in. We need them turned in as soon as possible. Do not wait until the 4th. Get your ballots in this weekend so that we know on the 4th that everybody is done and we are just gonna be sitting waiting to hear the results. And I would also like to say, if you consider supporting me, go to DeborahEntonman.org and make a donation. Thank you. Thank you, you
1: Representative Entman. Joy Stanford.
6: Thank you. What an incredible
2: moment That's in time for me. I took a couple of pictures. We're ready to do the work. Every one of us on this call today is ready to do the hard work. We know it's going to be hard, but we are ready for this. Like Cindy said, when Black people win, everyone wins. Everyone we are ready to represent everyone, no matter if you agree with us or not. We are ready to represent you. You need more information about my campaign, joyforwashington.com. Thank you for having me, and thank everyone on Facebook and everyone on, on this call for, for being here today.
1: Thank you, Joy.
3: Jamila? Hi. Um, what I would say is that learn more about us and, and realize that, you know, we do share commonalities. We do have differences. Um, and one thing about Black women is that as strong women, we still are vulnerable human beings. And, and and we have feelings and we need support. And we have really strong desires to do the very best that we can. And so please be supportive of us in this journey. So vote, show up for us, hold us accountable, then come back to the table when we um, are responsive to you. And for me, if you're looking for more information about my campaign, it's um, www.electjamilataylor.com. Um, we are in this fight for the long haul, whether we're at this table or another table. Remember, you want us in that room. You want us in that room. Thank you. Kirsten. I just want to start by saying thank you, every
7: one of you, for running. I am so excited about the possibilities on the other side of this. And Cindy, those questions were awesome. And <laughs> I just want to say I have gotten to nowhere. I've gotten in my work as an activist alone. It's really about all of us. I'm building something that I am humbled to find neighbors want to connect to as a community campaign. We are going to be, even though politics doesn't mean we win every fight, I just want you to know the fire here. You know we're going to stand up and you'll, you'll be able to be heard. And we're going to help you be, have your voice amplified. You can check out our community campaign at electkht.org. We're also on Facebook twitter instagram i'm dancing on tiktok all kinds of fun stuff so please plug in phone bank keep coming to these forums share with your friends give gifts it makes a huge difference every way you show up and thank you for joining us today
5: thank you tanisha i echo everybody's thoughts thank you so much and thank you for believing in us thank you and i can tell you that um When you're done filling out your ballot, if you haven't already, fill out the census. Fill out the census. That is going to be one more step of making sure that we are represented and filling out the census. You can find more information about our campaign at electtanisha.com and know that we are not going anywhere and that there's gonna be a lot of little girls following in our footsteps, no matter what. They will be following us. Let's go. Last but not least,
4: our first Black Senator, Tawana. Thank you. Well, we are experienced leaders, and we are ready to step up to serve in our state legislature. Um, Please sign up to volunteer on my campaign as we get out the vote. Get your ballot turned in. Sign up to sign wave, Sign up to donate. Sign up to volunteer in any capacity at TawanaNobles.com. Thank you all for tonight.
1: And thank you for all of the listeners. I see we had a good crowd of people with comments and, and sharing. Thank you all for joining and listening to this Black Queen, Black Girl Magic today. Blessings to everybody. And I'll look forward to the next time when I see them get through the primaries. Thank you.
0: My deep gratitude again to Cindy Bright for moderating this incredible and inspiring conversation. Thank you also to each of the candidates, Tawana Nobles, Tanisha Harris, Joyce Stanford, Jamila Taylor, Kirsten Harris-Talley, and Representative Deborah Antonman. And that is it for today. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org, and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc., and is part of the DemCast family of podcasts. Learn more about DemCast at demcastusa.com. Special thanks to Lori Cowell, and as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.